You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. Yes, as that person rides up the old neck of the base. There we go. That sounds better. Mm, there we go. We go 12.03 here on 3RRR-FM. You are on 3RRR-FM, broadcasting from beautiful downtown East Brunswick. I was going to say, you're back. How was the Tomato Festival? Oh, it was fantastic. You said... Great day for it. And you said there was about 100 million people there, There's roughly. 3,000. Yeah, right. 3,000. Um, it was just a great... Thank you, Matt. Um, mm. It was a great day. And a good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Cameron Smith. Good afternoon, listeners. How the hell would you be, eh? Hey? Eh? Um, you having a good day? It's a good day. It might be a good day for... Um, I don't know. Going mm-hmm. to the market, maybe getting some good stuff and That's just getting home and just... That's exactly what I'm going to do. Put up the shutters. Show. Yeah, totally. Drawbridge. And go... Pull the drawbridge up. We're cooking at home. Lower the portcullis, release the sharks. We might even cook something we've never cooked before yeah. and just chill out yeah. and enjoy it. Or maybe you might even just cook a whole bunch of stuff for the week coming up. Yes. Batch it. Batch it, baby. But uh, we're batching it. We've got a good batch today. <laughs> we do. Um, and uh, on today's show... Um, formerly the uh, the CEO of uh, Second Bite. Yes. Second Bite. See, that was <laughs> an observation there. Yes. Uh, Katie Barfield. She has broadened her horizons from uh, from helping uh, people be fed from yes. food that would go to waste. Yes, which is what and Second Bite was all about, I or is all about. Indeed yes. it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, with Spade and Barrows broadened her horizons and is looking out for the farmers. Yes. Uh, anyway, we're going to talk to Katie. There is an event that uh, I am very, very happy to be associated coming up called Wasted Away, which is happening mm-hmm. next Saturday, where we sort of do the what can one person do? Yes. Well, a lot, and we can find out. Anyway, we'll talk to Katie about that. So food wastage. Yost Bake. Uh, he knows a thing or two about waste. Caught in crosstown traffic at the moment. Oh, but persisting. Yes, yes. He's uh, he's coming in. He's bringing in um, uh, an oat roller. Right. I've not seen an oat roller. Neither before. have I. No. And uh, we're going to find out why is an oat roller good. I guess it makes sense because if you buy a packet of rolled oats, every single one of those oats has visited an oat roller and uh-huh. is dead. Right. Some would say. Right. Now we're going to talk about unlocking the nutrition in grains because uh, I was uh, was watching something which I'd like to talk about mm. a little bit later on, um, cooked by Michael Pollan. Mm. I think that was your homework I wanted to give you. It's on Netflix, amazing. But um, there was a guy talking about a kernel of wheat. Yes. And he gave the bat mobile mm. analogy, I say, as I'm right. pointing yes. my fingers in a rock kind of <laughs> you way. Are, you're doing the devil horns, yes. Um, but, yeah, he said that um, uh, a grain of wheat, which yes. is actually has all the all the, the basis of, of keeping nutrition to keep us alive, mm. proteins, fats, vitamins, mm. enzymes, mm. the whole shabugamu, huh? <laughs> the whole shabugamu. But it's like the Batmobile in that, you remember in the in the Batman movie, if you watch such which, things... Which one? Are we talking the Burton era Batman? No. No. No, no. did you even do that? Oh, really? The modern good ones. Oh, the Burton era ones were pretty good. Yeah, I yeah. Thought, with Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Oh, yeah, all right. But anyway, you know how yeah. he can just, at one stage, you... The, I'm talking about the Tumblr Batmobile, the really cool Batmobile. Yeah, you're the modern But one. you can go... And it yeah, just goes... It looks like a little armadillo. Yeah, yes. well, that's exactly what, uh, in the modern way of making breads and things like that, that's what your wheat grain is doing. 
Really? Yeah. Anyway, just a just a thought. But uh, anyway, we're going to just uh, talk around stuff like that. Yes. And then we are going to go to the vineyards. Things are happening. Things are happening. The grapes are coming off. They're flying off the vines. And what could be more annoying to a winemaker than us to ring them in the middle of the day and ask them how it's all going? Duncan Buchanan yes. doesn't want to be a winemaker anymore. <laughs> Actually, it was more sort of this plaintive sort of cry. I don't want to be a winemaker anymore. Because this is what the six weeks of the year where he actually has to do something. Oh, yeah, when he's just not sitting by the <laughs> yeah. by the fermenting tank whittling um, grape, <laughs> grape yeah. trimmings. Yeah. So anyway, we're going to poke a stick at him because yes. he's going to be in his little cage. Yes, weeping. And, and um, yes, so you know, much like we saw the, uh, I think it was the Atlas robot that was mm. kept being pushed over with a hockey stick and getting up. Yes. Did you see that? No, I, I saw this headline. Oh, yeah. spooky. Anyway, well, that's uh, but that's pretty much the show, and that's the show. Uh, we will be having some music and things like that. But uh, you mentioned something about Sam Gowing before. Sam Gowing. Yeah. Hello, if you're listening all the way up there uh, on the coast. Sam, I'm not sure that you are. Doubt it, but g'day. She tweeted, and she let me find the tweet. Yeah, go on. She tweeted. She was saying she was at uh, the Nursa for one festival. Cam, she starts. She's like, I'm at Nursa. I'm the only female chef at Noosa Food Fest 2016. Mm. The lineup includes 38 men and me. Why? Yeah, why is it so? That is a good question. It is a good question. What is it with that gender imbalance in 2016? And we want to put this to the... How do people get in contact with us? The Twitter sphere? Yes, you can just tweet us. Is that it? Just like Sam did, pretty much. What's our Twitter handle? Eat it. R-R-R. Oh, that's catchy. Yeah, I know. I like that. But um, specifically, not only that, but um, someone asked me. Mm. uh, I don't know if they want to be mentioned who asked me. But I congratulate them because they've just gotten out of being in a restaurant and then are sort of free to, to yes. forage around the place. Good on you. You know who you are. Yes. But they said to me, someone had asked them from whoever the great and good are that do that sort of thing. Yep. Mofos, uh, winter mofos feast. Which is the big thing down there at Mona, the whole David big, Walsh thing. Big, big, big thing. And yes. um, it's, uh, it's a big event. And uh, gosh, I'd like to go to it, but we'll see what happens with mm. that. But... They are wanted to get um, some great female chef to come down. Yes. Yeah? And I was thinking maybe Nikki Rima. You, you, you and I got to think <coughs> about good and great female chefs. Kath Reed. Kath Reed, yes. Acevedo. Yes. Um, uh, Karen Batson at uh, Cookie, maybe. Yes. But yeah. why don't you give us a hand? Well, let's let's put up some names. Tweet so, us who you think is uh, would be an excellent choice to represent Victoria at that event. Yes. But they're not going to get the gig. We're not the we're not the panel. No, we're just we're saying just this is just let's kick the, kick this along. Pass some names I reckon um, should be good. Uh, all right, very very quickly, Food Go. and Wine Festival is about to start soon, and I thought we should mention um, a couple of events that are happening. Mm. One is with the uh, the fabulous. Wonderful. Mm. Buzzin' Melbourne City rooftop honey. Yes. Um, and they have got a gig at the top of uh, Melbourne, Eureka 89 Events and Dining. Crikey. That's very uh, nice. It's called Be Inspired. B as in B-E-E. Yeah. Be Inspired. Yeah. Whatever. You like that? Yeah. Uh, 150 bucks a person. Information on Melbourne Food and Wine uh, site. I reckon that'd be pretty good. Yes. I mean, if you want a Melbourne City rooftop... Well, they don't come much higher than this one, do they? I, I bet they wouldn't have a hive up there, though. It'd be too high for the bees. <laughs> yes. so poor, poor little guys. <laughs> All these bees with bleeding noses going, ah! <laughs> it's 90 floors up, if you yeah, don't mind. It is, indeed. Yes. Uh, now, you've got something in front of you, the I Peninsula do. Picnic. The in Peninsula Picnic returns in 2016. So this is happening on Sunday, March 20th, which 
my brain would kick in. I think that's about two to three weeks from now. Yeah, two to three weeks. There's all the really, really great and good restaurants. There if are, you look down, there's some beauties. I'm not even going to bother listing them. Basically, just think of every good restaurant on the peninsula, and they seem to be involved. And um, wineries as well. And so you even have some of Duncan's overpriced champagne. <laughs> oh, did I say that? We are kicking Whoa. the Buchanan today. Are that's we not? no good. Well, he can't, he's, he can't listen. He's... <laughs> He's just weeping in the side of the next to a fermenting vat. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Um, um, I just want to sleep. But if, you, if you're keen, uh, just Google Peninsula Picnic. It's Sunday, March 20th. There are tickets and stuff, and there's lots of blurbs, and I'm not even going to... Okay, it's comprehensive. It's, it's very big. Everything from Missy Higgins is going to be playing there oh, really? to um, all the really, really the great and the good. Oh, look, yes, there we okay. go, Missy Higgins. You've actually read this. This is good. Did you, what did you just say? <laughs> Three of this year's featured what restaurants. What did you just say? We're just moving on. We're okay, right. Time. So uh, Pringer Estate, Montalvo, <laughs> Terminus at Flinders, <laughs> Ian Curley's getting involved, yeah. Pat Jones getting involved. It's all happening. Yeah. Merrick's General Store, that's a nice spot, Pringer Estate. Uh, you can stop now. I'm rambling, aren't I? Yeah, you are. All right, and um, I think that's all we wanted to forward promote. Yes. Um, but uh, did we do this? Port- oh, the Muscle Festival. The Muscles. Oh, yeah, the Muscles. Who's got Muscles. Jean-Claude Van Damme has got muscles. <laughs> From Brussels. From Brussels, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Port Phillip Muscle Festival 2016, a seafood street party, um, is happening. That's now, uh, in two weeks' time. Two weeks' time. So uh, Saturday and Sunday, the whole weekend, I believe. Should be good. Yeah. Should be good. Also, have a, have a think about lots it. Lots going uh, on in this town, isn't there? Oh, lots going on. Lots going on. Um, and um, no saints today. Right. Sorry. Right. Um, There's a vacancy in the calendar. There is a vacancy in the calendar sad um and uh, no food quote today because mm. it was not very good <laughs> um but we do uh just mark and mourn the passing mm. um of someone who changed the food scene in the uk mm. for the better mm. her name was rose grape and she was born january 28th in 1939 and she was one of the most influential british chefs and restaurateurs why because she was co-founder and chef at the River Cafe yes, in London's, London's famous River Cafe. So, dare I say it, they, what were they in, inspirational for? Well, bringing the notion of uh, Cucino Povera. Yes. But they charged a lot of money, especially when Tony Blair was coming <laughs> in, eh? Eh? Um, but, no, ingredient-led. So, yes. really, really great ingredient, simply done. And the whole notion, they would clean out, they would bring in food in the day, yes. cook it, and then start again the next day. Yes. Uh, no, very new concept. There, there, there was no the fillet steaks in a bath of oil in that place. No. Trying to keep that, you know, when things are going <laughs> better. So, um, so she passed, she didn't just pass away. She uh, 2010. It's yes. been a while, but gosh. Um, this day. Yeah, we'll just um, think about that. And, you know, birthplace of uh, a lot of other people. Jamie Olmey, of mate Jamie. I'll mate Jamie. Yeah. Toby Buttocks. A uh, Buttocks. Um, <laughs> hello, Toby, if you're listening. Yeah, hi, Toby. Uh, <laughs> how you going? Uh, anyway, many other. Mm. 1213 here on 3RRFM. We really need to uh, get a move on. We we're going to get Katie Barfield in next, and uh, we're going to talk about food waste. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Inducement. Go on. Yes. <laughs> Go on, do it. Why wouldn't you? Uh, Katie Barfield, hi. Hello. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. It's Sunday. Is this a day of rest for you? Because you work damn hard and all the other days helping out people and reducing waste and all that sort of stuff. I have a six-year-old boy and a four-year-old boy. There is no such thing as rest (laughs) in my life. Rest? (laughs) 
Because you're in the middle of the long-term project. I am indeed. And <laughs> How's the, that going? Well, the eldest has fallen off the monkey bars and has a broken elbow, and the big boy in elbow. my house, who is 46, um, has <laughs> broken his ankle. So it's a, oh, wow. it is a house of... Um, the house of the pain house, and the house creaky, of broken creaky limbs. <laughs> we have creaky limbs happening. <laughs> we do. Wow, okay. Casts and boots. That's what's in my house at the moment. So what did your husband... You broke an ankle. Yeah, well, he for, he forgets that he's actually in his 40s and thinks that he's still 18 and goes and plays basketball with no warm-up and rolled his ankle. Oh, severely, it would seem. My God. <laughs> um, my God. And um, and maybe we could say rolling things back to, uh, to people that uh, deserve and could use them. We talk about... Well, your genesis in, in this, this whole food wastage thing. Second bite which uh, you were CEO of. It's a while now, but I think maybe we'll just quickly just touch on it to give people an idea. What is, was Second Bite? Second Bite is a food rescue organisation that focuses on rescuing fresh, nutritious food Mm. and then providing the raw ingredients to about 1,200 community food programs all across Australia, and they then can create culturally appropriate healthy meals for the people that they exist to serve. Whoa, you remember that statement so well. I said it so much. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) done that one. So when I started there, um, it was just myself and a group of so about five or six volunteers and we would go out to the Paran market at the end of trading and pick up any fruit and veggies that was left over. And then if you fast forward 10 years to this year, it's uh, an organisation that will collect and redistribute 7 million kilograms of food this year. So there you go, folks. So it's a, it's a tangible thing and you go, oh, yeah, whatever, you know, do-gooders and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, personally, for me, I had a, a little stint working on, on MasterChef where I was, um, I was actually the quartermaster, which was an incredibly glamorous job. Oh, my <laughs> Lord. Um, especially at 6am when I used to meet the Coles truck and I was the dude who emptied the Coles truck. And that was great. Got to work in TV. Oh, my God, I've arrived, <laughs> I thought. But one of the greatest moments was when we went through so much stuff and getting the second bite people over and giving them trays of raspberries and trays of this and... Just the look on everybody's faces when we went, oh, my God, we're going to be able to do so much good with this sort of stuff. And there has been so much good that has been done with the organisation. So, That's I don't right. know, big congrats, congratulations from, from us at Triple R as a community to community, yeah, which is great. But mm. moving on from there, um, you've uh, set your sights sort of further out. The ring has gone out to farmers and keeping them viable, sustainable, et cetera, et cetera. Spade and Barrow. That's right. Well, whilst I was at Second Bite, one of the things we needed to do was obviously find more and more food um, as more community programs became aware of us. Mm. So we went higher up the food chain and started talking to farmers. And what I was absolutely um, dismayed to find out was that so many farmers were struggling to remain viable and many of them were sort of abandoning their farms with nothing more than a lot of debt and the clothes on their back. Well, you know, one thing I remember hearing about orange groves, in, I think it was New South Wales, wasn't it? Then they were just ploughing them into the ground because they were no longer viable. And I thought, this is a crime almost, isn't it? Well, it is. And the reality is that it takes the same inputs to grow a wonky carrot as it does to grow a straight one. But up until very recently, none of us would go near a wonky carrot or a curly cucumber. Especially Cory Bernardi. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Yes. 
And uh, and so really for us, about four years ago, we started to really herald the joy of the wonky carrot. Not every carrot can be a supermodel, people. So, yeah, right. you know, we need to embrace. It's what's on the inside that counts, it's, Cam. That's right. So um, Spade and Barrow was really created to try and provide another avenue to market for all of these farmers that had fantastic quality produce that looked a little bit different. Mm. And um, and and how how's that all going? What's what's been the latest with that? Well, that's now um, transitioned into the stable of um, Aussie Farmers Direct, and they have sca- they're scaling it. So the whole idea was right. the vision was for it to get scaled quickly. So they're now running that wow. and uh, taking it national, which is really exciting. That's amazing. So and so, what's the focus now? The focus now is Yumi. So I've set my sights on um, technology, which has been a learning curve. I can yeah. tell you. And have you got like a? Have you got like a techno? Have you got like a geek like next to you that can help you with all that sort of stuff? <laughs> I have you a, need a propeller head. I have a. Have you got a propeller head? I have a consultant geek. Yes, yes. he pops in every now and then ah. um, to sit there and hide behind his computer and yeah. write code and code. all these kind of weird things that they do. They're very clever. Probably has cool T-shirts though. Oh, he does. Yep. Yes, he has a number of those. Yeah. Um, so what's Yumi? Tell us about Yumi. Okay. Yumi is a mobile marketplace for unsold or surplus food. And the great thing is it's available right now that you can get it on your iOS or Android device. You can indeed. You just need to search Yumi and I'll spell it because people tend to misspell it. It's Y-U-M-E. Got that, Matt? I do. And I have misspelled it. I thought it was an I. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Y-U-M-E. And you can get it, yeah, Google Play or the App Store. Download it today. And, and the good news about Yumi is that we can appeal actually to, you don't have to be altruistic completely, but you can appeal to self-interest. What is that self-interest? Well, the self-interest is getting very good food at half price, really. So um, we don't need to do too hard a sell on this. Mm. And uh, next week we've got Yumi Hour happening across Melbourne. We've got some of Melbourne top chefs participating. Yeah. We've got Guy Grossi, we've got Alejandro from Pastuso, we've got Jesse Gurno from yeah. uh, Bomba, and they're all getting together to basically offer up amazing dishes for $1, and all of their dishes contain a surplus ingredient. Nice. And so uh, that's just, uh, Jesse's just doing that at Bomba, not Green Park as well? That's right, just at Bomba. Just at Bomba. Well, just at Bomba. Just at Bomba. <laughs> he's doing the hamon. Like we have to go there. Yeah, he's doing hamon croquettes made from porky offcuts. Hamon, hamon. Hamon, yeah. hamon. Yeah, okay. That sounds good. I love that. He makes a good croquette too. So it's going to be for one hour only from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. So you oh. must be on the app, 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. It's just a dollar per meal, and every single one of those dollars will go to the four food rescue organisations, Second Bite, Oz Harvest, Fair Share, and Food Bank. Bang. Uh, what, so what day is that? That's on? Saturday. Saturday. Oh, that's okay. Saturday at 3 is doable, isn't it? And then you and I, I believe, will be having a bit of a chat after that at 4 o'clock, Cam. Yeah, tell me. Tell Tell me all about that. What are we doing? So as a bit of a full stop to the Yumi yeah. hour, once we've all eaten our fill of um, Alejandro's pulled pork neck and alpaca heart cottage pie, so once we've all had our fill of that, we will then mosey on down to Buckhurst Street, you mm-hmm. and I, and have a good old chat with Guy Grossi, Natalie O'Brien. We've got um, myself, Adam Bant, 
Adam Bent's going to be there. He is. Adam Bent is going to be there. We also have um, Kao Shik, who's um, the head of corporate affairs for KPMG. And, uh, yeah, Diane McGrath. Who's Diane McGrath, That's yes. right, the Watch My Waste program. So um, we'll be having a good old yarn. You can come down there. It's a free event. And ask us or Cam any questions you like. Well, yeah, it's going to be good because we've got a whole bunch of different people coming at the same problem. And, um, you know, we've got people like, well, Guy Grossi, the restaurateur, who comes from Italian cucina and food waste is like, you know, you don't, you get, because you get the nonna with the finger out waving at you. And uh, it was interesting, Kaushik, who was talking about, he's, he's Hindu. He's Indian, you might gather by that name. But he was talking about Mark McGodden, we in Hindu thing, food is God. And uh, wasting is a terrible thing from from that point of view. So that informs what he's doing, and there is actually stuff happening from a corporate um, a corporate point of view, which is really really good. So there is a genesis happening. Things are starting to change. We all say, you know, we're, we all feel powerless in this world, especially when you've seen the rise of Donald Trump. But we all seem powerless in this world. But there are things we can do, and I would suggest that. This would be very, very good for the GP, general public, but also people within the industry because uh, Diane will be there and the good thing that she can do is she can quantify the problem uh, with what's going on because on average with each plate of food that goes out, there's about 300 grams that goes to waste. Yeah, that's And you think that that's that's a lot. It is a lot. And you know, if you were paying for a steak, you'd be paying a lot of money for that 300 grams. So <laughs> the problem is there, and, um, and we're hoping to address it, aren't we, with this, uh, with this talk? Absolutely. And, you know, what I find so amazing is everyone does just a little bit. We can achieve an awful lot. Mm. Um, if we can get every cafe or restaurant in Australia to just pop up one kilogram of food onto the app every day as opposed to into the bin, um, we'll actually prevent 40 tonnes a day from going to waste. So people might think, oh, it's just a couple yeah, of croissants. Yeah, oh, it's just like... a sandwich. It's just a serve of lasagna. But you add all that up, that's a lot of food. Waste schmaced. Absolutely. Says someone. Hey, question. You'd probably know this pretty well, but, you know, we all talk about this thing and we imagine, we go, yeah, my God, all this food's going to landfill. Where are the landfill areas around? Do you know, what, what, where do we put all this stuff? Well, there's one just round. Didn't uh, get in a swear jar. Huh? Yes, just, just looking at me. <laughs> where do we put all this stuff? Well, I mean, there's one down near Dinan Road, isn't there? There's landfill right. everywhere. But um, right. the awful thing I about... I just imagine this area with oh. lots of seagulls around and, Indeed. you know, and just <laughs> methane coming out well, of the... Out of the, you know, don't light a match. Now, that's a very good point because what? that's the thing that people don't realise is that fresh food in a landfill is the second biggest contributor to methane on our planet. And mm-hmm. that is lethal, 25 times more deadly than what's coming out of your car exhaust pipe. So, you know, we're not the brightest creatures. We, we, we harvest all this food and then we don't eat it and then we use all the resources to grow it and then we bury it and poison ourselves. Yeah, good on you. Good love us. Go team humans. Hey! <laughs> But little by little, poco y poco, we go a long way. And uh, one more time, the uh, the event that uh, you've asked me to come to uh, facilitate, which I'm delighted to do, is what and where? Okay, so that's called Wasting Away. It's at 2 Buckhurst Street in South Melbourne, and you can jump on and get your free ticks at the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival site. Yeah, it's free. It is so, free. you know, there's no sort of self-interest or anything going on here. And don't forget, the Yumi app is spelled Y-U-M and... 
E. Yeah, so you and me coming together. Solve a problem. And uh, self-interest is good. Um, Yost Baker was um, trying to get here on mm. time. Mm. What did he do? He had a problem with... Crosstown traffic. Bit of this. Wow. Mm. That was good. Good beer week's coming up again. Good beer week, yes. Seems to happen twice a year. Maybe I'm just imagining <laughs> that. It's always good beer week. Just drinking too much of that beer, yeah, I think. So, ah, that's yes. a beer week. Um, yes, that song was um, kind of appropriate because uh, Josh Baker is here with his daughter. Yes, you're here too. You want to say hi? No. Oh, look at this. You're going, oh, that's you, the first you time she's gone You were all so brave and now all of a sudden you want to do an introduction here, Yost? Hello. Yeah, no, your, your daughter. <laughs> well, Remy is, this is the first time in the studio for Remy, I think. Yeah. Ah, yeah. oh, no. Nah. <laughs> I've been there, okay, been there before. But, um, yeah, you got caught in the cross-town traffic, didn't you? Oh, yeah. How long did it it's, take? Um, well, I should have just gone around the city, but, you know, I thought it's Sunday morning, I'll just go to the Eastern Freeway, and it took me <laughs> as long to get from the end of the Eastern Freeway to here as what it did to get from Monbolk to the free. Yeah. Anyway. I'm here. Oh, I made it. You made it indeed. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's the sort of, it's the nature of things that nothing stays the same. And one of the things with Melbourne's fabulous success is just a uh, great population. And with that slow mobility, you do get to enjoy the artwork underneath the bridge though, as you slowly, <laughs> you know, good. some great graffiti down there. You know, it just gets I, better. I promise we will talk about food, but you know, one of the things that you, that is really annoying is when you go through like a city link and you know, you get charged with four bucks. <laughs> And you're just idling underneath it, and you're only <laughs> four bucks for that. <laughs> Why, you guys? Seasons. Yes. Is autumn here early this year? Because one uh, thing uh, I've noticed coming in is that the trees have changed. They've but everybody always says that every year. Oh, uh, spring's early. Oh my god! I mean, yeah, it does cherry really... blossom. It's too early. It's yeah, the end yeah, of the yeah. world. You know, it's always within a few. <laughs> <laughs> You just want to hear the sound of your own voice, don't you? We can do that afterwards in the uh, in the next music thing. But uh, seasons? I don't think that they really change that much. I mean, most plants are really reliant on daylight. So, you know, yeah, they, get, they the get triggered by the amount of daylight. And um, di- every year... Diurnal um, rhythms, I think. Yeah. I mean, uh, look, it's been great that this year, like last summer, we didn't have one day over 40. I mean, it was a bit... We had a few extremes... The we veggie dodged, patch is out of control this we, year. We dodged the bullet, didn't we, this year, I reckon? Yeah. How good is that? Let's hope it's uh, the way it's, you know, this global warming thing could be a good thing for us down here. <laughs> <For Melbourne. laughs> yeah, Sydney have copped it. I they know. really, really have. I know. Now, um, I have, uh, you've brought in, you know, know they roller. say, bring in your oats. And this is kind of cool because we don't often get to uh, to see oats. I think Matt's going to take a photo of that and we'll see it on the uh, on the website very, very soon. But... The problem is when you buy oats that are pre-rolled uh, in supermarkets and stuff, and especially ones that are supposed to be easy cooking oats, is that there is an advantage in time for what we can get. However, Bullshit. this is yeah, swear jar. <laughs> wow, look at you! That's a self-inflicted wound. <laughs> um, but okay, so with that is there is a consummate loss of any sort of nutrition you are dealing with a dead product yeah i got this this came about uh i found this information in a book a long time ago and it was a book written by a german dentist called johann schnitzer and this is actually named this this is named (laughs) after him and he discovered in the 50s that there was a particular village that didn't suffer from tooth decay 
And he couldn't figure out why is it, you know, he was treating all these people and, you know, tooth decay was rampant and the jaws weren't developing properly so people started to need braces. Yeah. But this one village didn't. Yeah. Then he realised that that, but that village still had a bakery that was stone grinding flour fresh and was rolling oats fresh. So people in the village would go and get their oats fresh, you know, from this bakery. Yes. So to him, this was like, I've discovered what the problem is. And um, he ended up creating this business which has made millions of, of oat rollers. He, it sold to Siemens. Siemens bought it, I think, in the late 70s. Mm. But it's still named after him, uh, Dr. Johan Schnitzer. And since then, I've met so many other people, like a psychologist called Wolfgang Mock, who used fresh oats to um, treat suicidal prisoners in the late 60s in Germany. And have, That's an interesting study. Yeah, you gave me some information on that. That's yeah, which, which uh, and now, of course, scientists are saying, yeah, we, the problem really is that we are not getting the soil laid. You know, we used to eat food grown in soils, and as much as you'd wash them, you would still get all the bacteria and microbes that are present in healthy soil. And that's one of the things about eating biodynamic growths raw. In other words, not cooking them. The, bac- the bacteria stays alive. So you're actually ingesting, um, you know, it, they're focusing on one in particular. I know Pfizer's trying to create a tablet filled with this bacteria. It's called Mysobacterium vaceae. Mm. But to me, in another 10 years' time, they'll realize, oh, hang on, there was another bacteria. Because, I mean, there's mm. hundreds of bacteria. Let's just position for the people. If you look at yourself, in a, is there a mirror around anywhere? Or just imagine yourself. Uh, nine out of the ten cells that are in your body aren't your body cells. They're microbes. So yeah. the flora that we have within us, the microbial, is like a universe of, of microbes uh, in our cells. And we need we need these microbes, and uh, one of the things that's been to the detriment of us, I think, as well as food production, is this whole thing, this 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 antibiotic sort of antibacterial wipes and how yeah, we're yeah. trying to eliminate germs completely from our environment, and we're starting to just understand that actually we need them. Well, I mean, look at milk. Um, yes. In the 20s, 30s, and 40s in New York, doctors called raw milk medi-milk. So, you know, if kids got sick, they would be uh, told to drink. The cheap alternative was the milk that was pasteurized and came from the brewery. So that's what everybody was drinking because it was a quarter of the price. Right. But when kids got ill, they you've got to drink a, a glass of midi milk, which was just that raw was milk just straight. in the 1940s. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then uh, they brought in a law to pasteurize all milk. But you've got to understand that when you drink a glass of raw milk, you're having between 650 and 800 species of bacteria. Mm. So it's like you want to talk probiotics. You can't get more probiotic than raw milk. Yeah. Anyway. There's there's problems with um, the drinking of raw milk, isn't there? There can be problems with that. We saw uh, what happened in, uh, where was it, Rosebud last year? There was, yeah, there was uh, some look, you know, that's... I know that the coroner's found no connection between the child's death and the raw milk, and okay. that'll come out. All right, you know, we'll, but, we'll see that. But, but you know, you've got to remember that most of the world's people, five and a half billion people are drinking raw milk today. There's mm. only, we're, we're the minority, not the majority. There's only six, 600 million people drinking pasteurized milk in the world. So, Well, the way that we're seeing it now, that we're seeing that uh, cheeses will probably form the vanguard of um, effective uh, production of raw milk that we see. And if you have uh, raw milk and you uh, you age it for 60 days, then... Everything is um, there is there is uh, the chance of listeria, which is one of the pathogens that we can get from raw milk. Yep, is uh, is reduced, or actually it's taken taken out. Yeah, and you know you can't. 
I don't, uh, I don't think we should be consuming raw milk from uh, modern large farms Good. because the All whole right, the see. whole point is that you know the farmers that were supplying raw milk were small, they were intensive, and they they were specialised in making sure that uh, you know the milk was clean and and yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I'm, look, let's we're, we're talking about. Hey, come on, let's get back we're to talking the oats. about oats. But another thing is, I did a talk for an amazing festival called Festival Twenty One that was on last year. Yes, and it was set up by a guy called Sandro, who is now in charge of the World Health Organization of advising governments across the world about nutrition and where we've gone wrong in the last thirty years. So basically, re-teaching governments about nutrition and I did a talk about oats and really one of the teaching, you know, yes yeah. well it's often just going back to primitive sort of understandings of what food really is you know and, and saying that good fats and bad fats and all that bullshit that everybody talks about these days or second not eating thing animals. for swear jar for you the problem is though that we've uh, the, poli- the political class has been captured by rent seekers though yes this, this is the problem when we have people like Fiona Nash who is was part of the Department of Health? Who had um, oh, what was it? Fernville, who was um, part of um, the uh, he was a food fast food lobbyist yeah. who was in the office, who just instantly shut down the Food Safe website. Yeah. You know, here's if that this is the problem that we have. That well, I mean, look, the FDA in America. What's the FDA? Food and Drug Administration. Yeah, they nominate milk as a number one problem food. In America, it is. Like, it causes more problems. This is pasteurized milk. Right. What people don't understand is when you pasteurize milk, you're actually taking away all the bacteria that fight. It actually becomes a much more dangerous product. Sure does. So, and and it, that in turn, milk consumption in the U.S. is dropping so fast because people cannot digest uh, pasteurized milk properly. So, they blame milk. <laughs> where it's milk is not the problem. And this is like what it's, I say to dairy suppressive. farmers. You're actually killing your own industry yeah. by not advocating for people to drink. It's the same as bread, though, isn't it? Because the bread that we make is so different from the bread that we've been eating for, well, let's say thousands of years. You yeah, know, sa- I mean, sourdough bread, is by having a sourdough starter, you're able to unlock the nutrition of bread. Well, you, c- you couldn't trade uh, flour. Fla- trading flour is something that is has only been done for less than 100 years. So you, you traded grain. Mm. Flour went rancid. It was known that flour would go off. It was like, um, you know, any anything that would go rancid. So it's, that was milled, the advent of the roller mill, which made white flour, correct? Yeah. yeah. And then one of one of the effects of the roller mill was that the flour became so hot yeah. that it killed everything. That yeah. was the great benefit of that was that all of a sudden all the oils that were so good for us were sterilized or denatured is the word. Yes. And that's and now bread's being blamed for cause. It's not bread's it's, fault. It's our fault. Yeah. yeah, it is. So, how long does this? You've, oh, we've just we've rolled through. Well, it just makes that sound. Like, can you hear that? There we go. It comes through, and it, oh, it looks really pretty. How long does this take to cook? Uh, this uh, well, these oats that I've just, at the moment, just rolled. So at the moment, we basically just have um, a bit of yogurt, and we've got apricots and pe- not apricots anymore, but peaches, nectarines, plums. And we just have fresh fruit with a bit of yogurt and that's in a, and a bit of milk. And um, You cook this, though? No. No? This is, we eat these raw. Wow. Okay. And Maximilian Birch's original cure-all that he invented, the, hmm. Birch, the famous Birch and Muesli, was a tablespoon of fresh crust, crushed mm. groats and yogurt and fresh fruit. 
Sounds good. So he would be pretty annoyed if he knew all the things that are being marketed as, uh, and you know, for well, him, let's the, 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 the thing is, when you look at a raw oat under a microscope, it's full of life. It's got, it's the, the, the one grain that's got more fiber than any other grain. It's got almost 30 different minerals, vitamins, but it's also got all these different bacteria. It's a living thing. And within 15 minutes, it loses its vitality. So the idea is that you've got to, if you roll them and you want to, you can soak them. As long as they're hydrated, mm. as soon as they're exposed to oxygen, they lose their goodness. So you've got to really roll them and eat them fresh. Gotcha. How much are one of these presses? The, they're between 200 and $300. I mean, there's so many different makes and models. There's a great mm. little website called Skippy Mills. Skippy Mills. In yeah. um, rural New South Wales, and they sell you know, all different kinds of oat rollers. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a couple of others too. Constanta Imports sells some beautiful oat rollers in Preston and... Uh, a bag of oats costs you about thirty bucks. It lasts us about six, three. Oh, <laughs> Remy's just <laughs> pulling the look. studio. Don't look. It's okay. Just don't look. Oh my god! It's okay, <laughs> Remy. Um, it's okay. Anyway, like an a- average family of five will spend about b- between. If you have oats every morning, you'll spend about seven grand over five years on on buying boxed oats. Yeah. So this is it. So the the money this will cost you, you about seven hundred over five years. The the capital outlay on this uh, this rather attractive little sort of press that you've got will be more than made up in the savings that you get on uh, in uh, in the oats. It repays you very very well. What's your favourite thing that's coming out of your garden at the moment, Yost? Uh, up there tomatoes. in Mumbles, huh? I know a lot of great chefs, but my wife last night made the best tomato soup I think I've ever tasted in my whole life. Why? Why? No, not why would she cook something for you, but no, that's, but why was it the best? Well, she put all the tomatoes in the oven, so we've got so many wheelbarrows full of tomatoes at the moment, but she put them all in the oven, then she dropped off Charlie, and then obviously got talking over there, forgot, and virtually roasted these things. Oh, too a much. Lot took them too far. No, but no, Serendipity. she didn't. No, she, she didn't. And uh, anyway, made this soup out of it, and last night I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, this is so good. And all it is is just tomatoes, a little bit of broth, and a little bit of salt. It's not rocket what? science. What's that, Remy? And big uh, bowls. And meatballs. Oh, and meatballs. Oh, yeah. Don't forget Remy's the meatballs. Favorite. Yeah, all right. Well, look, we're gonna um, we're gonna go off to uh, have a chat to Duncan Buchanan, the hassled winemaker. Um, and uh, before that, we're gonna go to a music track. Uh, no, we're just gonna go pay some mortgage. Um. <laughs> I was hoping we'd have music. Sorry to be disappointing. Okay. Um, Yost, thank you for coming in again. This uh, just to give people an idea. This is called a Schnitzer um, Oat Press. Just you got to wait, Remy. Just hold your <laughs> horses, doll. Um, and uh, and they're a, they're a great device. Yoast, as always, we look. We uh, thank. Bye. You. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, we have compressors and things to sort that out. Don't this we is know? true. This is very true. It is twelve forty-five. Three triple R. Having fun See in the guys. studio, Lord. <laughs> 12.47 and a half here on 3 RFM. That's the station you're mm-hmm. listening to. And, uh, yeah, we've just been having a chat to Yost Baker. <coughs> and it's very impressive. Oh, roller. We tweeted a photo of it. Check it out. It's Good. Um, cool. The schnitzer. I didn't know you should roll your oats to order. I'd never considered that. Yeah, because you've got to keep these things alive. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the thing. You can make porridge out of uh, those quick oats. But, I don't know, it's not really... But someone who's decided, uh, I don't want to be a winemaker anymore. <laughs>
I'm 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 sick of this, uh, Duncan Buchanan down there. Uh, actually, where are you? Where are you, Duncan? Uh, the, the, the one at the northern end of the peninsula. There. Just quick question for you guys: Are you busy after the show? Busy? Yeah. Yeah. Why? I just think Grace need picking now. I mean, right now. <laughs> so come down, bring your snips, really, and do some picking. Oh, All right. So uh, you're you're suffering from uh, sick to hand. <laughs> no, it's the vine madness. Ah, oh, the vine madness. I like it. We're we're incurring the wrath of grapes. Hey, the <laughs> wrath of grapes. I see what you did there. I see. And actually, I think it's uh, it's actually John Steinbeck's birthday today. Speaking okay. of that. Well, yeah, I think it yeah, is. Yeah, that's why I said it. Oh, of course you did. God, you're topical. Um, but it's yeah. um, it's been a funny old season in the fact that um, everything's ready and everyone's freaking out. That's sort of a good way to right. describe it, isn't it? It's very true. Like, we had... Um, it's been an interesting season right the way through. It came hot early on and very, very dry. Mm. And then things sort of held up. Remember, we didn't have a lot of really, really hot days during Jan and Feb? No, it's been... It it's been nine. Little, you know? Um... So we thought that might slow ripening up a bit, but it's just, it's all gone kablamo. It's just amazing. I, I, I shit you not, everything is ready everywhere now. And, and, and how do your vineyards go at the moment? Kablamo. Um, <laughs> I like that. Kablamo. Kablamo. So, tell, okay, so what what is being pulled off now? So Chardonnay's been done, hasn't it? Uh, I, and this is, it's all screwy, Cam. This is the weird mm. thing. The, um... You've got, okay, I'm, I've took, I've a Riesling from our uh, Great Western, that's good, it looks great, same day as last year. Mm. But I should be picking, uh, but the, um, the Shiraz is ready to go now, and there's normally about a three week window before the Cabernet is ready, but the Cabernet is ready as, at the same time as the Shiraz, which is just, that's way out of kilter. That is way and out of kilter, because usually the Cabernet is one of the last ones to come, and that's when everyone gets really, really nervous about rain. Yes, exactly. Like back in the day, we used to pick Cabernet in May. Yeah. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be picking that. Well, you know, I, oh, could, yeah. I could be picking it now, but it's just a matter of getting around things. But you got back to the Chardonnay question you asked earlier, which is typically one of the early ones to go. A vineyard on the peninsula, one of the, and they're picking their Cabernet. Uh, sorry, the Chardonnay Monday. Wow. That's all over the place like a mad woman's custard, Pam. Yeah, mad woman's custard. Yes. <laughs> Busier than so, a Beirut um, brickie. Yeah. That's right. No, that's kind of old now. than a one-legged bed at a bum-kicking competition. Oh, there you but go. Yeah. Look at that. There's an image for you. There is an it image is, for you. It, it, just, it throws up a lot. Logistically, it throws up a huge amount of challenges because if I... Okay, I thought I was going to have a three-week break before my cabinet came in, <laughs> and I would have had empty fermenters by that stage, but I've still got Riesling and... Shiraz in those fermenters. You can't just pluck fermenters out of the air. You've got to pre-order those things months and months and months in advance, pre- preferably a year, yeah. in order to make sure they come through. So that's, that's a big challenge at the moment. You've got fruit getting ripe very quickly, and people just have nowhere to put it. Yeah, stainless so, steel doesn't grow on trees, you know. <laughs> no, it's not. No. <laughs> but it's, um, those bloody grapes do, though. They grow everywhere. Yeah, they're going to keep bloody ripening. Yeah, and that's that's the headache. So you put under a lot of pressure in vintages like these, just to put to, just to try and get your grapes into an appropriate vessel to ferment them. Yeah. And it's very very easy to take your eye off the ball as far as quality goes because you're like, quick, just put that down, put that down, put that down. And then two weeks later, you look around and go, what the hell's all this? Yeah. And so you know, you, you, it's that it makes for very long days because. 
you've got to, which it always does, but they're very, very long days because you just got to, you still have to have the due diligence to be looking at each batch on its merits and going, right, this one needs this, needs that, doesn't need this, all that sort of stuff, but rather than just being running around trying to stuff grapes into the appropriate fermenter or barrel, whatever it may be. Yeah, I suppose in just massive doses of Xanax aren't the option either, are they? <laughs> Not at all. No, <laughs> the winemaker, I don't know, put it, I'll just put it on the ground. But uh, the bloke that I work with here, Rory Lane from um, Story Wines, here we're both very, very staunch with the five o'clock beer. It's no matter what you've been doing, like we'll just run past one another, one another all day, busy doing our thing. Mm. And then it comes to five, five o'clock, it's like right, stop, turn everything off, sit down, and let's have a beer, and just and just take stock of what's going on because it's very, you know, because I might be ahead of where I need to be, so I can say to him, yeah, once I'll give me an hour and I'll give you a hand, and we just sort of balance things out like that. It's good to have that sort of. We both operate fairly autonomously, yeah. independently, but it's great to have that backstop there for someone to pull you up, you know, put a Cooper's pail in your hand and go, righto, where are we, where do we need to be, and just sort of pull up the rest of the evening from there. It's still the winemaker's drink, isn't it, Cooper's? Oh, yeah, it's easy, it's just down the shop. Uh, another <laughs> thing, all right, here's a, here's a sort of serious question. So you are, you, 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 we've got it, you're busy. How yeah. do you keep your nutrition up? Well, that's, a pretty, that's a... Actually, a very good question. We, um, I always make sure that there's a lot of food in the fridge because we do work long hours with very few breaks. And you're on your hind legs all day. And when day you say, just, let's just bring that back again. You say we. How many people are you working with at the moment? Well, it's only, this is a small winery, and I'm doing the stuff for Hall's Gap Estate and Paul Scorpo and a bit of stuff for myself under the Prosumo label that I'm going to be launching this year. You're still doing Cersei? No, 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 I'm not working with those guys anymore. Ah, oh, good. Their stuff um, is too expensive anyway. <laughs> Just quietly. $60 fears. Dreaming. And, uh, Moving along. So, and, uh, and Rory's doing stuff for his own brand. So it's, it's essentially just him and I, and we pull in mates that are interested in the wine industry mm. uh, when we need to. So we can sort of we can get through what we're doing ourselves pretty much by ourselves. It just does make for some long days. But always... Um, Getting back to the food thing, it's early on during vintage, it's all, you know, we're going to have a long day and, you know, you haven't, the panic hasn't set in, you're not cranky about it yet. So early on in the season, I got here really early, put on a lamb shot and we sat down and had a lovely roast dinner and it was very, you know, I bit up a couple of bottles of wine, it was all very nice. But by the end of vintage, it's cold pizza and whatever, whatever <laughs> rotting apple you might be able to drink. Yes, <laughs> I have this, <laughs> this cold dim sim looks fine. Quick microwave it; it'll be even better. Yeah. So, so it's just it's, it's right in the in the middle of it. Um, you know, you bring in. I try and make food. There's make sure there's food in the fridge so you can get some decent food. Um, my darling fiance Lucy always makes sure I'm furnished fairly well with a decent feed. And you just yeah, you just grab what you can when you can because yeah, it's it's they're long days. And um, like I said, that five o'clock stop is always good because like righto, we're getting tired and we need to just be very very careful. Watch one another's back because you know we're still got a lot to do and you know we've been at it for a fair while all right mate 12:56 here at uh, eat it on three triple rfm you're in the afternoon uh lots coming up but um i'm just wondering um how much more do you have to do i mean how you you're going at you know 12 cylinders at the moment how how much longer yep. can you do that for, and how much longer do you reckon this vintage is going to take? And also, uh, just yep. casting your eyes uh, around the actual state itself. Um, I think the um, overall, it's 
I think if people have got water, I think there's going to be some very good quality stuff come out. I've seen some really good quality, uh, as long as it's picked in the, at a good time, as fair and people have had water, I think the quality is going to be really good. Mm. Um, disease-wise, it's been fairly low right around the state, I think. I don't think there's been a whole stack of disease pressure, because it's been dry, that, and the, there's a little bit, a little bit of rain of late, so... I think it's going to be a real headache for, for disease pressure. I just think it's the timing of your vineyard operations that will be the thing. So if you, if you had enough water and you got your fruit off in time, I think the quality is going to be really good. But if you go to the other side of that and you didn't have water, you'll get shriveled berries and they can just get that. They just get a bit stewy of flavour. So, yeah, right. Yeah, it's, again, it's, it's, as I always say, Ken, it's a, the winemakers have got the easy job. They just ferment grape juice. It's the viticultural guys that have the hard work. they got to get the fruit in good shape, you know, so... Get your fruit in good shape and just don't mess it up in winery. That's the uh, that's the um, the mantra. Yeah, and also we were um, looking at the fact that not every vineyard has the luxury of having um, the the presses and and the machinery, the back end to yeah. to process it. So I would imagine that there would be a huge bottleneck forming with people um, trying to get their their ripe grapes. Into the fermenters, yeah? Exactly. Exactly. You just said bottleneck, and it's pandemonium. Yeah, pandemonium. Um, pandemonium, eh? But, yeah, they, no, they, they do. There, is a, there can be a massive bottleneck. And the other thing is the pressure on transport companies. Because uh, so I find out, I find up at, um, up in the Grampians, that's getting a bit difficult because sepals are shut down. So there's not a lot of... What? Um, sepals are shut down? Yeah, the, well, the, 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 gr- the winery's not operating anymore. Really? Yeah, I mean, that's getting trucked into the bar- that's getting trucked into the barossa. Oh so my god, that, that's that takes that takes all the um all the local cartage contractors bloody hell out west uh, into South Australia. It's difficult to get trucks to bring fruit down here. To uh, Gary Mills does stuff out of uh, the Yarra Valley from up there. We do stuff down this end of the peninsula from out there. So it's kind of hard to get trucks to come down. So. And then they've got the double whammy of having um, you know, a season like this, and they're just they're run spare. So it just puts pressure on everybody from the, your picking crews to your transport companies to your wineries. You know, everybody just see it severely under the pump. But you know, yeah. and that's another uh, vineyard, jo- another winery joke under the pump. Under the pump. Well, um, we're, we're feeling the stress. Uh, for uh, those that, that have been listening to the show, hey, we can just open a Coopers now. <laughs> I try to like you, Smith, but you make it very hard. I'll see you in about a half an hour with your ticketers, all right? Oh, yeah, all right, I'll be there. Um, <laughs> sure. Duncan, <laughs> yeah, you're dreaming. Um, seriously, good luck with uh, uh, Vintage. We'll, we'll keep in touch in the next couple of weeks. Maybe we'll touch yeah, base sure. with you in two weeks' time and just see if you're finished. That right, sounds good. If you're done. All right, that sounds good. Catch up. Uh, 12.59. um the afternoon is yeah. nearly yeah. well it's about to happen the glide slope is here uh next week uh, on the show i'll be uh, wandering through ben shuri's new kitchen oh and having a little look at that and having right. a chat to uh to the great man yeah right excellent uh, uh fabby new zealander yes brew. yes brew brew um thanks for listening we should probably uh, let you get on with the rest of the afternoon. We've got stuff happening in the next studio. I'm yes, Brody's up next. Yes, and yes. then JVG. Hey. Oh, well, all is good with the world. They're yes. back. Yes. All right. Well, um, download's happening. And it's all happening too. Matt, very big thanks to you. Thank you, Cameron. 
lovely to have you listening aboard. And uh, Yost Baker, I hope uh, as you're driving home, you're putting money into your own swear jar, my friend. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's been a fun show. Thank you very, very much. We'll see you next, see next week. week. You've been listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. For more podcasts, information about upcoming events and our live stream, please visit our website at rrr.org.au. 